This is your girl Spice from Spice Life TV, and you are tuned in to the Till the Wheels Fall Out podcast. And this is your other host. How y'all doing out there, world? This is Creed, and I'm your other host for the Till the Wheels Fall Off podcast, where we deal with relationships and reentry, and we learn together and we teach together. That is right. So, how yeah. you doing, Creed? I'm all right. I'm hanging in there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been a week, hasn't it? <laughs> so we normally start off the show with our high and our low. Do you have a high and a low this week? I think the high is coming. Oh, my yeah? My mother had his procedure done, so maybe that's I'll right. be the high um, procedure on my knee done. But uh, other than that, I just feel like um, a big high was that I feel like in a lot of ways I've been taken care of this week by people that I work with. Yeah. And that that doesn't always happen in these type of situations and whatnot, so they, they're really looking out for my health, or, you know, at least you know, one or two people in particular. Mm-hmm. So that was a high for me. You guys remember last week we told you Cree's been dealing with his back, his knee. His knee's gotten not not a lot better, so he's been dealing with that all week. And so today he has a procedure to hopefully make this go away. I don't know if you guys have heard what uh, a bursitis. Yeah, That's I've heard of bursitis, but you used, you used to hear like older people, elder people always hey, complaining about it. You're there. It. Yeah, no, I'm talking about way older. Oh, well, we're at the way old. older. Yeah. <laughs> say oh my bursitis is acting up I remember hearing that uh, but um, yeah his knee swole up there's clearly something going on with it and so I guess today they're gonna see if they can get that going so he can have have some pain relief yeah yeah so yeah that's that's my high as far as like people looking out for you and making sure that you you're in the best you're in the best condition to be able to take care of your health mm-hmm. and sometimes you will be trying to appease people with the job and take care of their health which doesn't always work out for them yeah. I haven't had to do that, so that's been a high. Okay. Well, there you go. I think my high this week actually happened last night. It was the um, impromptu, let's just hang out, turn off the TV, play a game, talk. Fun. It was really was sweet. I, I mean, this week's been kind of a trying week for me overall, just on a, a few different levels. But um, I just kind of am in the state of a lot of anxiety and it's not always um i can't always explain where it's coming from um but one thing that helps me is like just having kind of like some time where i can just saw and not have to be plugged in and connected and doing something and i don't know if you realize that or if you did it on purpose or if this was just a by chance thing i'm a hell of a man and um i was walking you in that to give you an opportunity to be so humble and graceful and then what did you do? I'm humble in all areas of my life, but in the areas that I know that I know and I'm self-aware of, I got to let that be known. And, um, you know, I'm not, but all jokes aside, uh, you know, I just kind of felt like I seen my better half kind of struggling a little bit. Do something and make sure that, you know, her mom was take, taking off for that. So, yeah. whatever it was. Okay, well, and I it appreciate was fun. it. It was fun. I had a good time. We actually aren't going to do the question game today because we spent last night answering those questions just kind of <laughs> just talking and kind of like just hanging out i don't know we went through the, almost the whole deck so it's crazy how the, the roles that those questions can take you down they do because, go some yeah. roles i i don't know i like decks like that because for one i like to have in-depth conversations with people because i like to learn about them and even with that like i learned stuff about you that i didn't know really? like yeah some of them 
were like, oh, I don't know that I needed to know that. Like the one night stands or like the hidden quidditch and stuff like that. But it still was interesting to kind of get more details on the. St I already knew those things, but like more detail about it. Yeah. That was kind of interesting. So it was interesting for me to learn about how you tried to bike up that hill at an intersection. No, not a hill world, an incline, okay? So you ever try to start a bike on the hill? And yeah, she tried to do that apparently. You're gonna and tell my story and then not even tell it right and then tell it with me in the negative? That was so great to hear last night because you knew it was ridiculous because you couldn't tell the story what without laughing. What was the question? I don't even know. It was something like, what? So I'm like, I don't even remember the question, but the, anyway, I was ended up telling him about this story because two summers ago, like right when COVID started, I got into bike riding and I was going often by myself and then sometimes with my friend Trisha Ann. Well, we went this particular time to this um, Point Defiant Zoo, which if you're from our area, there's like this five mile loop around this zoo. And <laughs> We were going, but you're mixed in with the regular traffic, and I'm a new bike rider. Like, I'm not professional, and I'm not good, and I'm not, I'm not a quick starter. Well, they had us at this four-way stop. Trisha was in front of me. It was her turn to go. She gets on, and she goes on, rides across. Mind you, I'm standing, you know, holding the bike, so I have both my feet on the ground. Well, it's my turn, and I felt my anxiety coming because I knew that I'm not the best <laughs> starter. And so... I, you know, you you get on, you have your two legs around the bike, you put your one foot on the pedal, and then you like kind of kick off because you're getting ready to put the other foot on and you're going to go. Well, I keep getting ready to try to go, and I'm pushing that one pedal for it to come around so I can catch it with my other foot and get going. Well, it's not working because I'm like, it's a slight, just a very slight incline, but enough to make it where you have to push hard, like balance and do it, and I couldn't do it. Well, now I'm holding up traffic. So I had to, I had to, the bike's like this, I'm straddling it, and I had to like walk, walk straddle this bike across the intersection. You didn't even think to get off the bike and run it across? No, because I was embarrassed. I was, I was so close thinking like, yeah, I'm about to get it, I'm about to get it. But now I'm close enough, too close to the end of the walk, that me getting off would have just taken more time. So I'm just trying to get across now. I was committed. Wasn't the paddles hitting your shins? It did. It scraped, and it was scraping my heel. It had to have. He's a mess. That was not my so shiniest moment. Like, look at this they mess at this intersection. And the thing about it is, Trisha is long gone. She don't even know I'm back here struggling, looking a whole fool. Anywho, uh, that would have been my high. And I had a low, and now I just lost it. Oh, I know what my next my high for next week is. I'm going to say it now because I'm, I'm hoping that by the time we film, I've already used it. My high is that I, uh, another high, I'm going to give you two highs instead of a low. My other high is that I ordered my washing machine, my new washing machine and dryer to go in my new basement that's supposed to be done today if my guy shows up, which that's kind of concerning. You should probably take it Um But yeah, so my new washer and dryer is on its way. So next week, hopefully my high is that it came and that it's working wonderfully. If I say that it's my low, then you know it has not come or it's not working wonderfully. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But it's going to be good, though. I think so. We do. All right. We do full blessing. All right, baby. Ready to get into this episode this week? Yeah, let's get cracking. Okay. So we were discussing, like, what do we think we should talk about this week? And we both kind of were like, you know, 
we know, we've kind of told you what the last year looked like of him transitioning out in general and like mostly just him being reacclimated into the world. But what we didn't really tell you about is what it looks like when you are releasing from prison. Um, I don't know if it's an unfortunate or fortunate. It's a fortunate because you still got out. It's unfortunate that I didn't get to go to the prison and pick him up and he walk in my car and we drive away. We didn't have that kind of a release. There's several different types of releases. That's one option. And we had a different option or a different outcome. So um, we kind of wanted to walk you through that process and into work release and what it's set up to do, what it's doing, and what it should be doing. Kind of our take and what we are hoping to one day work on improving. Correct? Absolutely. You know, um, and the reason why we tell this, we tell this mainly talking to the individual who's been in this situation so they can understand what to expect you know mm -hmm. because being in that situation and you don't respect once you're in a situation it's too late right. and then the, the individual who's never been in that situation doesn't know needs to understand that these are the people that are being released to y'all streets you know and so if you don't help them you know what i'm saying it right. can be hurtful later but i mean i was just actually talking to a guy who's in work release now that i've been kind of just talking to back and forth since i released and he's on his way out and so he's releasing this month and so i just kind of asked him like what's your plan like this your month you ready ready to get it cracking and so he's let me know what his plan was for a job going forward he has he has a job he wants to get a better one and then he let me know the books that he's been investing in investing his mind in they're all about investing in stocks and whatnot but um he showed me three different ones which shows me that he's he's serious and he said he's read all of them mm -hmm. and so i'm glad because i stressed to him the importance of doing that on your own yeah because which, why which is why we we're talking about this so work release is supposed to provide you with a safe place to get out to and things are provided for you of course room and board is provided for you you're going to pay for it but they're going to give you a place to stay while you work while you take care of any hang-ups that you may have whether it be drug related alcohol related you can go to treatment while you're in work release and be able to work or you can go to school while you're on work release learn a trade so that by the time you release you can then find a job in whatever trade that you learned that was the setup for work release. What's actually happening is you're going to work release and you're getting absolutely no help. And while I'm of the belief that self-help is the most important help, doing stuff for yourself, I also understand that rehabilitation has been drilled into everybody, into society, and of course those of us that have been incarcerated. And rehabilitation says that we're going to put you here. We're going to restrict how you become better and you're going to become better by our system. So when they tell you that, that's like the thousand lie they've told us, the expectation is I'm here and you're going to rehabilitate me and that's a lie. So you're here and nobody's helping you. Mm -hmm. So it's okay to do everything for yourself, but when the expectation is that you're going to help me do this and you don't, it's just, it's, it's actually well, devastating. Well, it's, I mean, yes, you can help yourself, but you only can help yourself to the level that you know how to help yourself exactly and if you're in prison typically you've helped yourself into trouble right and not out of trouble so who's giving them the resources to turn that around and exactly. that's what you would think work release would be doing with that there'd be honestly this is what I thought you were gonna walk into I thought you walk into like like you, an orientation you'd be inside the counselor and then like every day there'd be some connection on what you're doing your plan your process, 
your resource, like you're constantly being checked on, you're checking in, you're having to report, you're having to submit, like so that they see that you're working towards something and they're helping you work towards something. And that is not what happened at all. Not at all. You literally got there and then you were there. And I was just there. <laughs> it was like, go for yourself. Mind you, here's the thing. So the rehabilitation thing, she's correct, is when you are getting better, it's showing you how because you've already helped yourself into prison. And so it's like in these stressful times, how do I cope with stressful situations differently than I used to? How do I uh, uh, deal with confrontations differently than I used to? How do I go out there and find a job that's going to sustain me better than I used to try? These are the things that rehabilitation is supposed to do and it doesn't do it. Or even just how do I manage my money because now it's not coming as fast and as often because I'm doing it the legit way. How do I get this money and stretch it and make it work so that I'm taking care of myself, my family or whatever. And they're not giving these guys that. They're not. And nobody knows better than, than the Department of Corrections how much you don't know about what's going on in the world. So if you've been incarcerated for any length of time, especially like at this point in time, you haven't had access to computers. So Department of Correction knows that better than anybody in the world, but they don't give us access to computers. They don't give us access to anything remotely uh, uh, resembling the internet so we know how to navigate it. And so what that does is when you get to work release, we don't know that there's no way to apply for a job if it's not online. Right. You can't go to apply for a job on paper like you did when you got incarcerated. So that's one of the things the DOC is not even uh, preparing you for and it's so easy. Which is also kind of like, okay, so fortunately you have somebody who can kind of tell you like, babe, that's not, people don't do that anymore. But if you don't have that and you don't know, now you go into a job place asking for a job, trying to fill out application and people literally are like, what? What do you mean? Yeah. Especially these young kids who never had to do that before. It's always been electronic. And a lot of times the jobs that the guys that are first getting out go to are very entry level. And so you feel silly and stupid. And now you're just kind of like already nervous. You're already uncomfortable. You're already unsure. And now you've got this young or this person being like, sir, you need to go online. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, how do I do that? What do I do it on? How, what does that even mean? That like meant nothing to you. No, absolutely not. And then when you if you, if that happens and you go back to work release and tell your counselor, your, your the person that monitors you, that this is the case and I need access to a computer to be able to do that, they say, well, we don't have that here. We don't, we don't really know what to do. We don't know what to tell you. Like it's literally it's literally like that. And it wasn't until I left, probably a week after I left, they even allowed these guys to have cell phones in the work release. Which who in the society doesn't have a cell phone? And then, so you're sitting in work release without a cell phone, trying to apply for a job, trying to get in school, trying to figure out how you're going to cope with uh, drug and alcohol problems. To navigate the bus. To navigate the bus. <laughs> exactly. Like, what? You have no access to that in work release. So the principles and the, the process in work release right now is beyond archaic because if that ever worked, well, ever worked, I don't understand. I don't think it ever worked before, but it really doesn't work when you're in COVID, in a pandemic, and you already are limited to everything. When you first went, things were shut down, things weren't open, people were not having people come in to do anything in person. So if you don't have access through um, the internet, you're just not getting served. You're not getting services, you're not getting resources. And they're not even pressed to try to help you because when you went in 
libraries were closed. There was no place you could go. They weren't even letting them go out and do social things so that they could go and get things done. But yet every month they charge you $400 for that board, uh, room and board. So you have to have a job, but yet they're not setting you up to be able to get one. Or at least one that is um, above Popeye's. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? They have a couple of places that they would like to send people. Um, they're below minimum wage. They're so, higher and flop. They're flipping flops. Like Yeah. So you're literally working to pay that rent is what you're doing every month. And then you might have a little bit left over. But you can't save because you need stuff in work release. That right. you're, it's, a, it's, a to, it's a bad process. And the, like when I get there, I was so excited to go to work release, understand. But what I learned when I got there is that I just wasn't in prison no more, which I'm very grateful for. But I had a whole thing in my mind of what it was going to be like to be able to go to work, you know, and have a little time to be able to spend with you and learn some things because I'm out here on the streets and say, okay, I need to learn this and now I'm at the work release on my days off maybe and maybe I can have a laptop or maybe I can have a phone that I can, I couldn't have none of that. So by their rules, I'm going to be there for six months out on the streets going to a job and can't even have a cell phone. It is crazy. So, and this is the thing, like, you're telling this grown 44-year-old man, like, we're grown-grown, half a century years old, that he can't have a cell phone. But then, if you catch him with one, that's a demerit or an infraction that could potentially kick you out of being a work release. Who do y'all know that doesn't have a cell phone? If you try to take your cell phone from your 12-year-old that has a phone, what happens? They sneak the phone because what? Their whole life is on their phone. Which one of you are operating now that can live a whole day and not do something from this phone or have any access to the internet? Not saying that you're, you're that connected. Clearly, you're not that connected yet. But you're, this is the world that we're living in. And so them not allowing you to have time to just learn what swipe means or how to text or just how a phone works in that six months where you could be just like kind of playing around with it. I get that they think that there's all these things y'all could be doing bad. We know that. They're criminals. We get it. They, they think about ways to do things in a criminal manner. That is probably accurate. But do you think that not have, giving it to them is going to stop that? No. Because what was happening? They're, they were thinking that people could have like these run these drug busts or have these drug operations. Were they still getting drugs? Still getting dope. Was that, did that man overdose from a drug overdose that, that he, he got from that, getting it delivered at that facility? That he did. Yeah, these things still happen. And then what's funny is like, like she was just saying, I, that was actually the point I was gonna allude to is, when a guy comes in work release and you're telling him, you can't leave, you can't because of COVID, you have a pandemic, you can't leave and go anywhere and apply to anything in person. That's just not job. We're talking about guys who wanna go apply to be in a, drug treatment program, outpatient program. So when guys when guys are trying to do that and you're not allowing them to do that, he's not getting help over here. So of course, he's gonna have access to getting what hurts him over here, which would be the drugs, and that's what they were doing. So when he don't have access to AA or NA, trust and believe he gonna go get that dope because it's easier to get that dope in work release than get out of work release to go get help. So that's what they were doing. and. I mean, he literally was telling me, like, people would drive up, drop it, they would throw the string down, tie it around, pull it up, and not even, it wasn't even, like, high-tech operations. It was literally 
I'm bringing drugs and I'm gonna leave it in this bush. When you come outside, come and get the bush. Yeah. Like it was not even, they weren't even trying to stop it. But yet they're saying that's why y'all can't have phones or that's why y'all can't be connected because of all of these activities that you could do that would cause you more harm. But I don't get how releasing you from prison and not giving you any opportunity to, to get resources to be successful is not gonna cause you more harm or them. Because if you aren't giving people a way to succeed or be, survive, they're going to find their own way. And if that means taking it from you, and if I know that being part of DOC in the system, why would I not be trying to make that so that we're not having recidivism, so that you not only go back to prison for yourself, but that you don't hurt anybody and take anything from me or my family? Why? Well, people need to understand the deepness that goes with the work release, right? Because there's absolutely no incentive to help the guys coming in there for the people that own the work release. You and I know that it's owned by a private family. What incentive do they have? to stop the flow, if right. the flow of work releases in and out, in right. and out, in and out of guys coming in and out of prison, why would they stop anything going on when they're making money off the backs of these guys who don't know that they don't know? The other thing you mentioned is that it's private. So I don't know if that's across the board, and I don't think every single one in the state, our state is private. This one specific in our county was privately run by a family and when I first, when he first got there, I would call them to ask, like, okay, so, you know, what are the procedures, what are the rules? They're like, you have to talk to DOC. I would go to DOC and ask, like, okay, so what are the procedures and what are the rules? And they're like, well, we don't, oh, we don't govern them because it's a private facility. This was a real big issue because when the pandemic was at its height, they was in work release. And of course they have an outbreak and even before they had an outbreak I'm like they keep telling y'all that y'all can't be on the phone all day because they need you to social distance but yet they're not covering your food they're just having y'all go and free serve yourself they're not having you go to um, chow at different times or stagger you so they have all these these mass moments where there's a bunch of people at one time and even though they're saying it's only like you know just for eating that's all the time you needed to get it, and it clearly you got it. So they didn't have any of the protocols in place. They weren't protecting them. They were making them wards of the state still because they're DOC, but yet still, because it's a privately run facility, they were able to be like, ah, well, it's not our problem. We don't control that. Yeah. But under DOC, he is your responsibility. So if he gets hurt or he gets sick, I'm coming to talk to you because you're telling me you can't govern these people, then that means that, they, that you should not have him there if you cannot dictate what happens to his safety. And I'm just over here having to sit on my hands because I can't do anything. Because if I, you don't want to raise too much hell because you don't want to piss anybody off and then him have to deal with the retaliation on top of being mistreated already. And nobody's giving us answers. Nobody's doing anything. And we're literally not I haven't been able to see him I'm sneaking to a bus stop to try to see if I can catch the bus that he might be on so I can see this man because COVID and it wasn't hard, that hard to see you when I was in the joint I saw him more when he was in the joint I talked to him on the phone more <laughs> when he was in the joint yeah that's crazy I mean the, the, the reality of it is that there's a lot of unfairness um crookedness that goes on in this, but I'm just talking about the things that it should be a normal expectation for a normal human being and a normal human being's family coming out of these situations. And what I've been learning is to tell people, if you're in support of somebody that's in prison, 
it's important that you inform them and you be informed that while they're in prison, everybody thinks prison is just sitting around, it's a vacation. It's preparation to prison. You have to prepare yourself because as you go along, it's going to get harder. It doesn't get easier the closer you get to the streets. It gets harder and the preparation becomes more uh, uh, insistent. You have to do it. It has to be something you have to do every single day. When you get to camps, when you get to work releases, and understand that nobody's going to do it for you. It has to yeah. be a family. If you have family, it has to be them and you doing it together and figuring out what it is that you need and how to figure out how to maneuver around what it is actually going on. Because if I'm telling her that I'm going to make you better, but you can only be better with the things in my process, not your process, my process, and she subscribes to it because she has no choice. Once she gets in my process and she realizes I'm not helping her, it's actually a big slap in the face because it's like, you don't obviously don't want me to get better and then I can do the things that can make myself better and you don't want me to do that either. So what is your agenda here? That's what we feel about the DOC process. What is your agenda here? Because it's not to help us. People going through this process and their families need help. They do. And the thing is, is like, you know, reentry is a very big part of it. But, and having family is a very big part of it too. But when you don't have that, we want to figure out a way that we can help help those people navigate this. Because um, every state's different, all the resources are different, so we're not saying we have this catalog of all the things that we can do. However, we do know what we did to prepare ourselves, and he did to prepare himself to come out and be a, um, a civilian and contribute to the society. But we've also noticed things that we didn't prepare for, that we had no idea that we needed to prepare for, that now we see that it's like, we, sh we can tell people this and now give them, paint the picture and give them something else to like, oh, let's work on that. Because we just, we were just going through this. Like there was no manual. We didn't have anybody that we knew that came out this process um, pretty recent or, or like, right before we did. It was a few years, like uh, Papa V did it a few years before, it was quite a while ago. But they were the only people that I could ask and that was four years prior and nobody knew had that I knew had been through that and there was no, nowhere you could just get information on what to expect. So I want to give y'all the information on what to expect. I just thought from the, the bare minimum, I thought somebody was gonna get a packet. I thought I'd get a packet or you'd get a packet, or you'd send me home a packet of like, work release, here we come. Here's what you expect. Here's what you need going into that. I don't know why I thought that. I just figured for visitation, for EFVs, for family visits, you get a packet and they tell you what you can bring, what you can take, what you can't take, what's the rules, when's visiting, all the times. Why is that just not a standard? I just felt like I think I should need to, you need to know it, I need to know it. What yeah. days you go, what days I can come, like all of those things. You don't get that. Don't expect that to happen. Don't expect when you call that they'll be able to tell you. A lot of it relies on the, the individual incarcerated delivering and relaying the information, but they don't give them the information that readily either. Yeah. So you really have to advocate and go and get the info and ladies if you're like me information is wealth and so I'm on him like did you ask them this did you find out this probably a little annoying and probably not something that you were just always wanting to go talk to police about but in order for me to prepare for you I needed information that's the best thing to do and, and yeah I mean it could be a little annoying but at the time you don't know 
there's a lot of things that you don't know it, it, when you're incarcerated, right? As the individual incarcerated that your, your family's going through. In preparation for you to come home, trying to make it good for you, trying to make sure that you have as less to worry about, at least to worry about as possible because of the fact that it's so stressful for a guy to come home. What I'm telling the guy, the, the, the incarcerated individual, you can hear me right now, is that that information is vital. Do what you can to get it to your people because nobody else is going to do it. And then when I got to work release, what was hard for me to see was that the times that we did get to see each other, because I did have a very understanding counselor who allowed us to be able to come pick me up from work. So we got to see each other uh, every night, five days a week. She would take me home from work for about 15, 20 minutes. Still not enough time. But what I got to see from her was that this I'm home, I'm like down the street and there's no more access to each other than it was when I was in the joint and I was crushing. So yeah, I just, just understand that when you're feeling how you feeling being in these positions and you, you're almost home, but you're not quite there, you're feeling sorry for yourself, but then you got somebody that, a mom, a sister, or a woman, a wife, who is literally sitting there like, I don't know what's going on with my loved one. I don't know when I'm gonna see him. And we're not just sitting, we're working. We're out here like preparing for this loved one and don't know where he's at, what yeah. he's doing, if he's okay, if he got my stuff, like what's... And in a lot of ways, it's, probably, it's gotta be more stressful because now he's out and you don't know if he's okay being out. You don't know if he's well, stressed, you don't know if he's like anxious, you don't yeah. know what's going on because they won't even allow you to have contact. That's crazy. I don't, I don't understand that. Do you feel like you've noticed, um, just within this process, and you were saying, like, fellas, this is what you got to do. What do you think you can say as far as what is happening, what your family is doing for you that you didn't know what was happening, but, like, behind the scenes? Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, I, can you speak to that? I mean, there's a lot of things, right? Mm -hmm. Because when it comes to financials, to prepare for somebody to come home and get them basic needs, not anything over the top, yeah. is a, to put a dent in your pocketbook. So anybody who's out here paying mortgages, paying car notes, paying credit card bills, and still putting away enough money to put give you your basic needs, it's amazing. Because this life out here, it's, it's, it takes money as you make it. That's number one, Yeah. you know? And then number two is, the worry involved with not knowing, I can't begin to like say I'm sorry enough for, I didn't cause a lot of the worry that you, but you, you know what I'm saying? But not understanding what it looks like to sit over here and not know what's going on behind the walls or behind the fence with your loved one and their transition coming home and them not allowing you to take any part of it so that that person can feel secure. And then the, your loved one does sit up here and try to get in touch with people, try to make phone calls and try to make and try to do all that. And if you, the incarcerated individual, ever in your position of being incarcerated get stressful and not appreciate that, you're wrong. Because for somebody to, and I get it, I get being incarcerated and how the police talk to you and dealing with these other cats around you and all that type of stuff, I get it. If there's one regret that I have when I was incarcerated is like not pausing enough when before I picked up the phone or pausing before I went to visit to shake that shit above me because you have been home worried or you have been going through a visiting process for an hour and a half to sit here to, sit, to visit me. 
if that's going on just at the visit, imagine what's going on when you're coming home from work release. If she's sitting or hour have to check in for that, how many hours and how much time that nobody is accounting for are you worried? Are you thinking? Are you planning? Are you plotting? You remember when I had to go get the, the, the bus card and you were just trying to oh find my that God. bus? Yeah, y'all saw that video. Did you try to track him down? We it was funny because afterwards how you let me know what you was doing and all that. But the sad part about that was later on you told me that you were actually driving and crying. Yeah, I was ball I was a mess. That that but that that speaks to the condition that it is for you to be in that position driving around crying because you might not catch a glimpse of your man. That I haven't seen outside free yeah. for twenty something years. You just trying to catch a glimpse. And I was actually walking, look and I swear I seen so many great cars out there because she got a great sedan. So I'm like, I'm looking at every great car thinking you gonna pull up. Every single time, and I never saw you. The only reason I almost pulled up actually next to you, but you had those two people with you, and I didn't know what quality of people yeah, they yeah. were if they was gonna run back and tell or what. Yeah, so, that was crazy. Like, I honestly, if you had to shot that video, I'd have still been like, No, you didn't. Man, you I, was didn't in the, I was in the bushes, <laughs> literally chasing you down. But the so a lot of the things that go on in this process isn't. The, the, the family's fault or even the incarcerated individual's fault, but there are things that you can do to help alleviate the stress and the hurt and the pain that goes with your family members supporting you. And that is just to be kind of present and just let them know that, you know, that you understand or if you don't understand that, um, that you apologize, they have to go through that because the OC ain't gonna apologize for them worrying. I think that's a big thing though, is just, it's, it's, um, it is a very taxing job to support someone that's locked up, but it's also very taxing to be locked up. Like it is. We both have perspectives that I'm never gonna understand and vice versa. And you saying, you had said something before, like, you know, if you don't realize that, then you're wrong. And yeah, maybe your approach could be wrong. I think that there's a lot of room for there to be a lot of that, like, feeling like they don't get it, she don't get it, he don't get it, because we don't get the other side. But at the same time, like, if you are being a woman that is putting her life on hold for any visit to come and go to visit for you, whether she's your girlfriend or just your friend, the amount of time that it takes, the amount of energy that it takes for that person to go to that visit for you is something that they only, you will only put yourself through that if you care about somebody. That alone, just that alone requires, and I'm saying requires a level of respect that I think a lot of guys are not giving and don't realize is something that is a requirement because they think that they don't realize like, for one, she didn't have to come, but this woman just went through a lot. This this whole, and normally it's normally a white lady talking crash crazy to you at the line and making you look stupid, making you feel stupid. They're damn near searching you, winding you down uh, in front of everybody. It's so much humiliation. You're standing to hurry up to get in another line to stand to hurry up and wait some more and it literally can be a two to sometimes four hour process before you even get into the visit and then when you get in there and you have someone who comes in and feels like they're doing you a favor by coming to sit at the table with you or they come in there and want to be cool and cool and cute for everybody else in the room but the person they're sitting at the table with or they're embarrassed because maybe she's not the cutest girl but she still came up to see you 
And so you're kind of playing her to the left because you're embarrassed that she's not cute. But she came to see you, and you're not taking in the fact that nobody else came to see you today. And we ain't saying that she ain't cute. We're saying you don't think she's cute because right. everybody else in the room is like, my boy got a ride a champ with him today, man. Somebody came to sit down and be down with you today. That's the only thing everybody else is thinking about. So you're the person. Well, the, I think depend. I think when you're in, your peers are not. That you know those young guys. If you're young and you're in that age group, they're all thinking. Okay, I'm speaking of the mature guys. And it took you a while to get there. What do you mean? You weren't always mature. No, it wasn't always mature in that respect. But I ain't never disrespect nobody. No, no, no. You wanted to disrespect the visitor, which you would see. You would, we would be able to see the disrespect happening and why it was happening. And yeah, it wasn't, yeah, yeah, you would. It wasn't like we were just like, stop that. You know, it yeah. was. It, it, it could sometimes turn into an ongoing like, oh boy. Well, that was kind of because we was more like we on our own business. So we were, ooh, yeah. But, but yeah, I do get what you're saying. And 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 there's when a guy's in prison, there's a huge entitlement issue. For oh, guys that are locked, that are locked up, so that's what that's what happens when you come. Why do you think that is? Um, that's because what ends up happening is no matter how independent and self sufficient you think you are, when you're in that situation, you literally have somebody doing something for you all the time instead of wiping your ass. And so what ends up happening, whether you care about it or not, mm-hmm. you end up becoming think thinking that everybody's supposed to do for you because yeah. that's become the condition under which you live twenty four hours a day. And that's why sometimes I used to be like, no, don't send me money or no, don't do this because I knew that I had become that, but I was trying to fight it. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fight that you might as well just, just give into it as far as like letting people do it, but don't come sucked into that mentality. So what's happening is you sit down and it's like, yeah, you're supposed to be here. You, I was talking to you on the phone all week. You're like, you're my chick or you're my friend. Like, yeah, you want to spend time with me on the phone or whatever? You got to come here. I literally seen guys do that. And so the entitlement issue, that's why what I was saying earlier about guys, like you're wrong if you don't, if you do that. And the reason why I say you're wrong is if you don't know, you're not. But I'm saying if somebody's informing you, talking to you about this, making you aware and you still do it, that's when you're wrong. Acknowledging, acknowledging it and saying, okay, I know about that and still doing it the other way is wrong. Figure out a way to do something different because as grown men, we realize that it's up to us. And nobody's going to come in there in your cell and counsel you. Nobody's going to come and do that at all. You have to realize that a lot of ways that you talk to people or the, the ways under which your relationship is with your family mm-hmm. is not working. You have to do something different. Mm-hmm. You know, I got a partner that's always arguing with his family member all the time. Like every other time we talk to him, yeah. they're beefing. Yeah. Like somebody has to do something different. And that's been their relationship, him and his sister like that, their whole life. They're damn near in their late 30s, I think, now, and it's like it's still like that. We yeah. have to figure out something different because nobody's going to come and say, y'all need to. Right. We need to counsel y'all. And so, when dealing with people that are locked up, your loved ones that are following you, understand that you have to deal with them a different way, a different positive way. You have to figure out how to do that. Because coming home is not going to get easier to deal with them if you don't change the way you deal with them now. Well, and I will say, too, ladies, like, I think this is across the board, any relationship. The way you start it is the way it ends. So if it's easy to get in um, the, this type of relationship and knowing that they have to depend on you, so you just start doing everything for them. If you just start doing everything for them, you can't expect that they're, you can't be surprised when they expect that you continue to do everything for them. And I don't know about you, but I'm not trying to be taking care of no grown up. Like, if you can do it for yourself, you can do it for yourself. I don't mind teaching you how to do it, showing you how to do it, even a couple times just to have your back. But 
you want to make sure if that entitlement, if that unappreciation, if that um, you feeling like you're not getting something that you need, you have to speak up about that. Yeah. Like, they don't know unless you tell them. And honestly, sometimes you have got to tell them every all the time, but you have to break it down in a way that they're going to receive it and hear it. And that can be challenging, I know. So I'm not trying to counsel you on how to talk to your man or not. I'm just saying if you need something from him and he's not giving it to you, you have to ask for it because if you, when you decide to make whatever decision you're going to make, you want to at least be able to say, I, did, I tried. I gave him the opportunity to do better. And hopefully he is aware enough to realize a gem that he has and aware enough to realize, okay, I need to step up and she's worth me doing that. And then he tried to do it. I mean, it's not going to be, uh, you know, hand it's not going to be what you see on Lifetime because he's in prison. You're not going to get the best birthday presents all the time. You're not going to get all of these extravagant gifts. You're going to be the third wheel. You're going to be by yourself a lot. I mean, it is like you have to kind of know what you're signing up for. But at the same time, you also have to know what you're worth within that box. And you will do or you need to require them to do the most that they can for you in that box. And if he's not then you both have to like have that conversation because it's not fair that he's getting, he's getting, he's getting, he's getting, and then you're not because it starts off like that and it can be easy to get uh, mixed up in it and then you realize like three, four years down the road, like I ain't put nothing back into me. I've been giving all of myself to this man and I am drained and he don't even know that I'm drained because he's so busy getting everything from me. What has he given to me? Yeah, he has the opportunity to be drained. That's, it has happened because you... And, and, and it was crazy because one of my song, one of my favorite songs, and one, and why is my favorite song? Because one of the so lines in the chorus is, "I build you up, you just break me down." Mm. And it's like that's exactly what you just described. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, that does happen a lot in that situation. And it was funny what you said is that, ladies, you have to tell them. Mm -hmm. And I'm a, I'm a, I'm a piggyback off of that. Yes, you do have to tell them, ladies. No matter how much he acts like he knows it all already, tell him. Because yeah, a lot of times big. a man incarcerated does act like that. Because he uh, he obviously feels that way. But a lot of times he's just holding on to the time when he did know a lot. And he was it. And things change when you're incarcerated. You don't yeah. have access to stuff. So stuff don't have access to you. So you don't know. So you come into this relationship with the only person that knows you. And knows that they trust every word that you say and all that. And you're acting like you know. Yeah. And she's thinking that you know. Ladies tell your man how you feel, what it is you require, and what it is that you're going to require going forward or else. There's nothing wrong with that. Because what we learned is that you have to teach people how to love you. Because you I teach people to treat you. Yeah, because I used to want to love her the way I wanted to love her. And you remember did, that? And it did nothing for me. And the thing is, the way I wanted to love her was, that was how I knew how to love That was like the most down love. And it was just like, it's all about you, woo, woo. But there's intricate things about the love that I had to to tweak and because she said this is what I need mm -hmm. yeah, and, and I'm that, still doing that. that sometimes it's just that like I would tell him what I want and he'd be like got it and did something completely yeah, different yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's like yeah. hearing me and then doing what I say because it's not I don't the way you sometimes would do it would be this over the top thing that would be like Thank you, yeah. 
But if you had just literally done the what I asked you, that would have got you the response you wanted because exactly. that's what I wanted. Exactly. Like you ask me what I want, I tell you, and then you do what you want. Who's the gift for? Yeah. Is because, it for me? Because men, men, <laughs> these things that we taught that women love aren't universal. You know, no. each of women is an individual, and so they're not across the board. You can't just do this for every woman. Like sometimes the most extravagant gift, the two hundred dollar gift. And it's not better than the $19 gift because $19 gets what she wanted. Like, even this was back in the day when we went to get, we, one time, long, this was before you even went, you got locked up. It just reminded me of this story. I, we went to Jack in the Box and he asked me if I was hungry. And I was like, yeah, I'm hungry. I just want a chicken sandwich. And he went to go get the chicken sandwich. And I wanted the chick, the 99 cent chicken sandwich. <laughs> Damn, That's what you I wanted. That. <laughs> it was Back in the day, that thing was hitting, and it, it was, was busting. It was always good. The chicken was crispy, no matter how long it was. I don't know what it was. It was magic. But anyway, I wanted this sandwich, so I'm waiting. He coming. He gonna come by the house and bring me this sandwich. So you know, you got your mouth ready. So he goes and he goes to give me this sandwich, and he brings me back this like gourmet crispy chicken sandwich, and it had all these things on it: Swiss cheese, grilled onions, the works. <laughs> and so he gives me the sandwich and I open it and I'm not really picky I will eat anything but when I want what I want like or if I like it I'm, I'm like he says yeah. I'm particular. Yeah, particular I have a like I know what I want and so he opened it for me or I opened it and I was like you know eating it but it wasn't giving clearly it was not giving me what I wanted to give me and he saw that and was like I got you what you asked for and I was like no you didn't though because I asked for the 99 chicken sandwich and you got me this sandwich i don't even want this sandwich but then he was upset because i'm not looking like i'm grateful and i'm upset because i'm like then why did you ask me what i want <laughs> don't so, ask don't so, you know yeah, don't ask and but don't hear us tell you what we want and do not ignore and, and, ignore and then ladies say what you want exactly yeah, that's true be specific you gotta do that with God, and if you gotta do that with God, you damn sure gotta do it with your dude. <laughs> I mean, come on, y'all, <laughs> for real. Oh, God. Okay, so we just kind of wanted to give you guys a little—I don't know what do you say—like a synopsis of what the, these stages are of release. And work release is a big one. We unfortunately, we like we said, we didn't get the one. We just got to go to the gates and pick them up. But this was another phase. It was six months that was a long six months. It was very trying, very up and down. Um, for those of you who are just listening and not watching our, our visual podcast, um, if you want to, on YouTube, you can find us and we have a playlist that's called Love After Lockup. And you literally can see where I chronicled a bunch of the transitions that we went through of that, that year of him coming home. Um, so I'll make sure I put that here too uh, in the cards. But um, yeah, so we, I mean, we're going to just kind of keep trying to give you all topics to let you, to see what this transition is like, because our platform is for people who are currently going through or in the process of uh, transitioning like we are, but it's also for the person that just has no clue on yeah. what happens in prison and around it before and after it. So if there's questions that you have or topics that you are interested in, let us know, put it down in the comments. Um, you can always DM me on on, on IG at Spice Life TV. Um, you can email us at 
uh, Till the Wheels Fall, that Till the Wheels Fall Off podcast. All of that information will be below. But yeah, let us know how you, what you uh, feel about what we talked about. If you can relate, if you have a work release experience, how yours was, if it was better. There was other things that um, we missed that you want us to touch on. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where we're coming from. And 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 like she said, you know, it's all about information, and we just want y'all to share it. So. Because nobody's doing this with us. And yeah. nobody's sitting down and talking about this. And this is serious issues yeah. that that govern the way somebody's going to enter society and governs the way a guy's going to re-enter his relationship with his family member, however. And if we can help do that in the most successful way, give you a safe place to be able to say, not not only get information, but ask questions. You know, you can come ask questions. Do that. We're here for y'all. That's right. So, guys, I will put all of our contacts in, or contact links in the description. I am still new at this whole podcast thing. I'm a prof- I know how to do YouTube, so that I got. So I can't tell you exactly where the podcast will be airing. I'm pretty sure it will be on SoundCloud, Spotify, and I believe Anchor. But like I said, they will all be in the bottom. If you have any questions, comments, please let those be in the bottoms too. And wherever you listen to us, please comment, rate us, like us, subscribe to us. And we'd love it if you would share us out because we'd love to get our content to more people. Um, just so that we can get more uh, feedback and that we can continue to grow this channel. So until next time, you guys, we are so grateful that the Spice Rack and the Pookie Pack joined us for yet another episode. Next week, we will be back again, same time, same channel. Um, and so till, until then, we will talk to you guys soon. And we want you to have a blessed week. Keep your masks on. Get your vaccines if you want to. Just stay safe, stay blessed, and we'll see you guys another time. Yeah, no, we're here for y'all. Till the wheels fall off. Till the wheels fall off. Bye, guys.